The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. As well, welcome to church. Who's excited to be here this morning? Come on. Um, yeah, like Rosie said, my name is Shane. I'm one of the elder candidates here at LCC North Lakes. And I do have the privilege this morning of starting our new series called All In, Advancing the Mission of God. And so for the next four weeks, this series is going to run for four weeks. We're going to be looking at four different kind of departments or four different ways that we can be on mission. And so today I'm going to kick off the series. I'm just going to open it up. We're going to look at God's mission. The fact that the mission that we are on as a church individually is actually God's mission. And then next week we're going to look at our mission. So as a church family, as the body of Christ, how we call to partner with God, with one another in that mission. And then after that, we're going to look at your mission. So individually in your own context, how has the Lord placed you to live and to think missionally, to love your neighbor, your peers, your colleagues, that kind of thing. And then last, we are going to finish with global mission. And this is when we're going to take up or we'll announce our uh, global mission offering, advance the mission. And this is where we're going to look at what God is doing globally, how the mission of God is advancing across the nations and how we can play our part in that. So this is pretty much the the vision for our All In series, just looking at mission, how we can think, how we can live missional lives. And our, our aim throughout this entire series is to one, be encouraged and be reminded that our God is a missional God, that he even right now today, he is seeking and saving people through the power of the gospel and that we get to play our roles, and we are called to play a part in God's redemptive story, in God's mission. But we don't just want this series to be a bunch of sermons telling you to preach the gospel, to share the good news. And while we do want to be doing this as Christians, we want this series to be more practical. Give us tools and techniques in order that we might share our faith with one another, share the good news of Jesus, that we might feel confident in stepping out in faith to do that. And so we have decided to set four challenges for this series, four practical challenges that we want to commit to as a church as we go through this series. So they're going to come up on the screen. The first challenge we want is we want to be praying for two people every single day for the next four weeks that God might save them. Two people, whether you're praying for them already or whether the Holy Spirit puts them on your heart over the next few days. We want to be praying, commit to pray for two people that they might receive salvation in Jesus. People that don't yet know Jesus might come to know him. So that's the first challenge that we pray for two people every day. The second is that we would invite some people over for lunch or dinner. So invite some people from inside the church, but also some people from outside the church. This can be another family, singles, couples, whatever it is. But we want to open our homes to people in our faith community, but also outside our faith community. And then the third challenge is we want to share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus with just one person. Over the next four weeks going through this series, we want to share the gospel with just one person. This can be the person that you're praying for. It can be the people you invite over for dinner, whatever it is. It might be a random as you're walking down the street being led by the Spirit, but We just want to share the gospel with just one person this next four weeks. And then the fourth challenge is we want to invite somebody to church. We want to extend an invitation, invite someone to come along to see the body gathered here at LCC. Now, this is going to be a um, 
a good one leading into our next series. So from All In series, we're going into another series looking at the big and the tough questions around Christian and around faith. And so that might be one that you save for then. But these are four challenges that we want to commit to as a church, not in order that we might be better Christians, but in order that we might experience the joy of being on mission with the Lord. I know that's a long intro, but I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the sermon. Lord, thank you that you are a missionary God. But we sit here this morning because you have called us in to be a part of your family. And I thank you, Lord, that you are with us now by your spirit. I pray you speak through me this morning. It is your words that go out, not mine. And Lord, that we might rest and be encouraged this morning that through the power of the gospel, you are saving and calling your children home. Amen. When I first became a Christian, I was uh, invited along to a mission trip, uh, this really tough mission trip where a bunch of us went down to a little beach town called Byron Bay, and we, we set up this fake cafe, and we shared Jesus with people, and we surfed, and we drank coffee. I know it's probably where a lot of people are today. It sounds like a holiday. But this was a local mission trip that we were invited to go along. And this is my first experience of, of what it was to be on mission or to live missionally. And I remember going down to this um, whole, a mission trip and a few people that, that were invited along, we got to do like a little workshop before where they, they taught us how we can direct conversation towards Jesus, how we can share the gospel, how we can take what people thought was great and show them how Jesus is actually greater. And I loved this workshop. And even today, I'll use these techniques and tools that we learned there. But one thing I remember as I sat in this room, as they were telling us about the mission, is thinking, whose idea was this? Like our mission was to go down to the beach to drink coffee, to surf, and then talk to random people about Jesus. Like who came up with us? Why was that our mission? I remember thinking as someone who's new to the Christian faith, why are we doing this? We live in a world that tells us that we are the most important people and that we should only do what we want to do when we want to do it. And yet many Christians, millions of Christians, give up their weekends every week, give up their weeknights to gather together, to serve one another, to love one another. Why? Why do they do that? We live in a world that tells us any kind of truth claims uh, is intolerant and offensive. Any kind of religious claims that you're right and I'm wrong is seen as prejudice even. And yet many Christians still step out in faith to love and to share the good news of Jesus, to share the truths of Christianity with people. Why? Why do they do that? We live in a world where there is people dying overseas because of their faith. There is families being torn apart, people being shot because they won't renounce faith in Jesus. And yet there are many Christians still packing up their families and heading to foreign countries to join the mission of the gospel. Why? Why are these people doing this? Why is a bunch of people that follow a guy named Jesus doing these things despite the known consequences? And I want to look at this today because when we think about mission, when we think about evangelism, we go straight to the, the Great Commission to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. And yes, we want to be doing that because that's what Jesus told us to do. But if we look at the grand narrative of Scripture, if we look from Genesis to Revelation, we can see the Bible story is really broken up into kind of four compartments. There's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, and then there's restoration. 
And when we start with the Great Commission, we kind of start with fall and redemption, so the problem of sin and how to overcome it. And that is why Jesus came. But if we skip over creation and all that it offers when we look at mission, we miss so much. We miss the intention of creation, which the purpose that God has put on our lives. We miss the beginning of mission. And so today, I really only have a one-point sermon. My one point for this sermon is that this is God's mission. This going to the beach to talk to randoms about Jesus, this sharing the good news with our neighbors, this visiting foreign countries, offering humanitarian aid, healing the sick, pointing people back to Jesus. This is God's mission. This is first and foremost the mission of the creator of the universe that we are called to be a part of. A Reformed theologian named Jürgen Moltmann writes this, It is not the church that has a mission of salvation to fulfill in the world. It is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church. So I want us to rest this morning, be encouraged, be emboldened by the fact that this mission that we are on is actually God's mission. And that we are called and we get to be a part of that great mission. And so really quickly, we're going to scan the entire Bible. I know that sounds crazy, but we're all on holiday, so it's fine. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelation. We're going to go real quickly, and there's going to be a bunch of verses that come up on the screen. So try and follow along. But like I said, just a one-point sermon so we can all take a deep breath. First off, we read in Genesis that God created the universe. He created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. And then he created humanity in his image. And we read this in Genesis 1.28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And we might read this verse and just say, oh, it's just telling them to have a bunch of babies and, and fill the earth. But as we look through scripture, we see that, no, this is actually an integral part of God's mission. To fill the earth with his image and his glory. He's created us in his image and he wants us to fill the earth that people from all nations might experience his glory and his grace. But then we see sin enters the picture and the relationship between God and humanity is broken. And right when we think that darkness has won, we see the heart of God most vividly. Immediately after Adam and Eve's sin, God goes in search of his lost creation. We read in Genesis 3, 9, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? Right here is where we see the distinction between the God of the Bible and the God of every other religion. The God of the Bible goes in search of his lost creation. He seeks them out that he might redeem them. Our God is a missionary God. And his mission is to seek and save his lost children, to bring them back into his family, that he might fill the earth with his image and his glory. And even in the moment that he is cursing the serpent, he gives us this messianic promise or this foreshadowing of the cross. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and her offspring and yours. You shall bruise his head and he shall bruise your heel. We see this picture of the one who will come to destroy Satan, death and sin. But as we move on through Genesis, we see that humanity falls more and more into sin until we get to chapter 6 and we read that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention and thought of his heart was only evil. This is the story of Noah and Noah's Ark and I'm sure many of you have heard it. 
But in this moment, God decides to wipe out the wickedness in the world. And he sends a flood to destroy the wickedness and evil. But again, his grace and his mercy comes through and he saves Noah and his family. And then after the flood has subsided, they, they land on ground. And then God gives Noah this command. Genesis 9-7. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. This is the same command given to Adam in Genesis And this is the same mission that God had for humanity. That he might fill the earth with his image and glory. Nothing has changed. And yet only a few chapters later in chapter 11, we see humanity fall more and more into sin. Do the complete opposite of what God has called them to do. We read this, now the whole earth had one language and the same words in verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This sounds like the complete opposite as to what God is calling humanity to. In fact, this can be further from what God's desire for his people was. They decided to get together, to, to, to not fill the earth, to make a name for themselves. And again, when it looks like darkness and sin is winning, we see the grace and the sovereignty of our Lord prevail. We read in chapter 7, God says, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. God took this opportunity of rebellion, of sin, to advance his mission. His mission was always to fill the earth and he took this moment of sin to spread the people across the earth, to create the nations, the nations in which now he would go to seek and save one by one, nation by nation. And as we read on in chapter 12, we see that he's going to do this now through one man and his descendants, Abraham and the nation of Israel. And so we get to chapter 12 and we we read about this man named Abraham and God comes to him and he offers him these promises that he will make him a great nation and through the nation he will be blessed, but that through Israel all the nations will be blessed. Israel was God's chosen people, but for God's chosen mission. Israel was a missional nation. God's plan was still the same to see his lost children come home, children from all nations, all corners of the world. And so for the rest of the Old Testament, we read about Israel, obedience, then sin, fall into rebellion, and then God's forgiveness as they come back, and then the same cycle. But the whole time, God is using Israel to call other nations to himself, that other nations might worship Yahweh as Lord. And then we get to the New Testament. See, that was good. That was the whole Old Testament. How good was that, guys? We get to the New Testament and we read the the kind of climactic peak or the crescendo of God's redemptive story, his mission in the person of Jesus. We see love incarnate. We see God himself come to earth in the form of a man. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we see God make possible the accomplishment of his mission. Through Jesus' obedience, obedience that Adam couldn't have, that Israel couldn't have, that you and I could not live, Jesus does in perfect reflection of the Father. And then going to the cross to die the death that we all deserve, Jesus makes a way for you and I and whoever believe to come into a relationship with him. 
We read in 1 Peter 3.18 that Christ suffered once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. This is God's mission now made possible through the blood of Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. But Jesus doesn't stay dead. He rises from the grave. He defeats death and sin and Satan. And once more, when it looks like death has a victory, we see Jesus bring life and light and love. This is the gospel, that whoever believes should not perish, because God's desire is that none should perish and all should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus was the lamb who was to be slain. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords who now sits on the throne. And whilst the battle was won, the mission was still going. And so we read towards the end of the Gospels, Jesus give us the great commission to make disciples of all nations, to preach the good news, to call people to repentance, to point them to their saviour because God's mission was still the same. And then we get to Acts and we read about Jesus' ascension and he sends his Holy Spirit to us. The disciples then, by the power of the Spirit, go out proclaiming the good news and we read that churches are planted, that signs and wonders are done, that people come to know Jesus first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the known world. God's mission was going forth now. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, God had the same mission, to seek and save his lost children, that they might come into his family, that he might fill the earth with his image and glory, people from all nations, all tribes. And then we get to Revelation 7. And as I prepared this sermon, this was probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Not just because what it says, but because of what it implies. Revelation 7, 9 says this, And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders of the four living creatures, and they fell on their face before the throne and worshipped. Worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a picture this is. As God gives the Apostle John this vision of the future. This isn't just a picture of what might be in heaven. This was what God was doing, and it's what God has done. See, we read here that God actually does it. He fulfills his mission here on earth. That one day a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue crying out, salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. God actually does what he says he's going to do. He promises to do it in the beginning and he accomplishes it in the end. God is both the author of mission and the finisher of mission. And his desire all along is for none to perish. 
And so he seeks and saves his lost children and he calls them home. He was the greatest missionary there ever was as he paid the ultimate price, sending his son to earth to die on a cross for you and I, that whoever believed might be brought into his family. So what now? What do we do now, knowing that God is the author, the beginner of mission, but he also finishes the mission? Well, you're going to have to come back next week to find out. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Whilst God's mission in the end he does accomplish through his son by the power of his spirit, we live in the final chapters. We live in the the end times, but the not yet. This vision that John had is not yet there. So we are to be encouraged by this, motivated by this. We are to play our part in God's redemptive story. Some of us come here to LCC because we love hearing the word preached. We, we just love hearing God's word proclaimed faithfully. And while that is an amazing thing, and we need God's word, we need God's word to heal us. We need God's word to convict us, to uplift us, to encourage us, to correct us, to sharpen us. The longer we stare at God's word, the more we see that it actually says go. The more we stare at scripture, we see that the Father is calling us into a relationship with the Son and then sending us through the power of His Spirit. So if we want to be Bible believers, we need to go just as Jesus has gone and just as He sends His Spirit to go with us. Have you ever wondered why you live where you live while you work where you work, while you're a part of that family. It's because God has placed you there intentionally. God has put you in the context you're in to reach the people around you with the good news of Jesus, to love them, to point them to Jesus, that you might be a tool in his hand on his mission. What a joy that is. What a blessing that is to be included in God's redemptive story. And I want to encourage us with this last thing before we finish. Do you know that you're in the Bible? Like you're actually in the Bible, not just in a a ethereal sense, but you are in the Bible. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're in the Bible. This vision that John has. After I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to the Lord. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are there. You are in John's vision. You are standing there amongst the great multitude that he saw. How encouraging is this as Christians that we can be assured of our salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, but then we can look to the Bible and see that we are going to be standing there. But we're also going to be standing there, I think, with people that we will not expect. Why? Because God's grace is greater than we could even imagine. And his desire is that all should be saved. And I'm not saying that everyone in the end will be saved. I think the Bible is clear that that's not true. But what I am saying 
is I believe there is family members, there is friends, there is colleagues that will be standing beside us on that day that we would not expect. Why? Because God's people have gone out and shared the good news. So as the band comes up, I want to encourage us. We serve a great God. We serve a missionary God. One whose desire is to seek and save his lost children, to call them home. So as a church, let's be on the task of loving our neighbours, of sharing the good news of Jesus, of reaching out to those the Lord has put in our lives, praying for those who do not yet know Jesus, so that one day when we get to the end, we can look beside us and say, wow, salvation belongs to the Lord who sits on the throne. So over these next four weeks going through this series, I want us to commit to these tasks that we set up there. They're not just random tasks or challenges that we put up for the sake of it, but we really believe that this is some easy and practical tools, easy and practical challenges that as we commit to, we might begin to think and live missional lives. God is the author of mission. He is the finisher of mission. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to use you and me on his mission. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at more practical ways that we can do this, ways we can do this as a church, as we partner with one another in God's mission, as we love one another and point people to Jesus. We're going to see practical ways in which we can share the good news with those around us. But this morning, I want us to be encouraged that as we do these things, we are reminded once again that this is God's mission. This is first and foremost God's mission that we get to be a part of, that we can joyfully partner with him in, and then we can look to the future and go, he does it. Like he actually does it. He brings his children home through the blood of Jesus, by the power of his spirit. We serve a missionary God and salvation belongs to him and him alone. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples and communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.